Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Customer order updates got you freaking? How about your customer? Let's check in with them. Where is my order? I expect a response in 20 minutes, or I'll leave a one-star review everywhere, including your mom's house. Yikes. What if customers could find their own orders with Ventoff Order Lookup, the Shopify app that makes order tracking a breeze? With Ventoff Order Lookup, customers quickly and easily search for their own orders in your store with their email address or their order number. No more wasting time and losing your sanity trying to track down orders for customers. Try Ventoff Order Lookup today and get your order tracking under control. Just search Order Lookup in the App Store to start your free trial. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. You know what? My order was at the front door the whole time. Five stars. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast, where today we're joined by Dr. Patrick Rin, founder of Waterlust, a brand that works in creative ways to bring environmental conservation into people's lives. We're going to find out what exactly that means. He's a marine physicist and ocean engineer who has been working in sustainability for over 10 years. You know, I don't know what practically that means for us but we're going to find out. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Check nasty. And this is the unofficial Shopify podcast. Uh, Dr. Rin, welcome. Thank you so much. You don't have to call me Dr. Rin. I think, you know, Patrick's fine. I Dr. Always, Patrick, all right. I always like kind of cringe with people with PhDs in like some obscure science that aren't medical doctors because it sort of implies like I could fix someone if there's a medical emergency, but I definitely can't. If... I have a master's. Can I demand people call me Master Elster? I I mean, I think so. You put in the work. <laughs> it was like two years. It's just, you know, I, yeah, but like, I don't know, it wasn't that hard. Um, so, all right, your brand, Waterlust. These are water-based sex toys. What are we selling here? Uh, it's funny you say that. We were at a school once and our website got banned for, by like their internal protections, but no, it's the... Uh, <laughs> It's the, the the name Waterlust is a play on Wanderlust. Um, and instead of sort of like this desire to get outside and explore, it's sort of the idea of like people that are just love the ocean and the water of being in around the water. We we specialize in creating um, clothing and that we use as a science communication tool. And we, we call the concept advocate apparel. Um, but basically it's uh, bright, fun functional clothing that visually represents species and ecosystems that are in need of advocacy. And then uh, we use that as a, a platform to get our customers super engaged um, on the different subjects that we champion. Advocate apparel. I love the idea. And as soon as you said, you're like, it's, it, you know, it's colorful, it's engaging. Going through, scrolling through the site, you're right, immediately I do notice that at least like the stuff that's featured has uh well it, it looks like ocean camo itself like it's got a it's got a sea creature vibe to it it is quite it is colorful and enticing it's what are these are our lines of apparel what are we typically selling here most of the stuff we 
the way we kind of mentally look at it is if you if you're going to the beach and, and we're based in Miami, so we're we're dealing every day with you know the sun temperatures, getting outside, um, being on the water is just sort of part of life here. Um, so the way we approach it is if you're going out on the water or in the water, you know what kind of products do you fundamentally need head to toe, and then we try to um, create those um, in an environmentally responsible way and um, you know provide people with even better better functional versions of it. So um, our, our sort of our most popular items are our UV protective leggings are super popular with uh, both men and women, people that go out and like do scuba diving and free diving or surfing, kite surfing. Um, they're a much easier alternative than lathering your body up with sunscreen. Uh, and then we also have like sort of like rash guards and um, full body suits, uh, board shorts, sort of like the, if you were going to like a tropical place for vacation, the kind of stuff you would want, you know, in the top of your 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 bag that you pack. So we've got attractive but functional ocean wear. We have sunsuits, leggings, swim tops, board shorts, and uh, a few accessories in there as well. You got it, exactly. And I notice you even have a collab with uh, one of my close friends, SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants. We do, yeah. We we launched that last fall, and uh, which was and it was an interesting um, collaboration. They the Paramount or is it Viacom? They have gone through a lot of structural changes, but they reached out to us and said, "Hey, we we're trying to we're trying to basically make our product lines more responsible. We're trying to take." Um, sustainability more seriously and we want to learn from people that are already doing it and would you guys be interested in working with us and at first we were like eh, it felt a little like a little bit too much of a outside of our specialty and a little bit too commercial um, but then when we it felt did, like selling out yeah it just you know like our core customers are marine biologists and, and and people that really like to go deep in the weeds on different species and I was just a little concerned that you know, this is going to feel like a little bit like selling out. Um, but then what we did a little homework and we learned the story of Steven Hillenberg, who's the, the, the founder and the, like the creator of SpongeBob. And he had just this amazing story where he was a marine biology educator in Dana Point, California. And he created the show as a tool to help engage the kids he was teaching about, um, you know, near shore ecology. And it was just this amazing story that was very, it resonated with me, like, you know, trying to figure out creative ways to educate people. And it's super aligned with why we started Waterlust and why we exist. And uh, he passed away um, a few years back, but, you know, his legacy is one is of this really creative marine science educator that, you know, came up with a very interesting way to, to get the stories of the ocean out to people. And we realized a lot of people that are huge SpongeBob fans didn't know that history. And we thought, okay, this collaboration is a chance for us to really shine a light on that um, while also, um, you know, celebrating the sustainability efforts now at Paramount. So ultimately we took the project on and we're really proud to tell Stephen's story. And um, what's even cooler, 10% of profits from that line, we donate back to the same um, education school where he first worked and created the uh, the initial character. So it's kind of a fun full circle story. That is cool. I, for as many times, you know, I've got three kids. I have seen loads of SpongeBob. I am a little too old to have watched it uh, as a, a younger man. But 
What? Well, that is really, it's cool. Brand collabs are always great. Getting one with a beloved household name like SpongeBob is phenomenal. In your case, having them reach out to you, pretty wild. In most cases, like sometimes you get lucky and a, a big brand reaches out and goes, hey, we noticed you and we want to we want to collaborate with you. And then things go very smoothly. Most of the time, it's, you know, it's this long drawn out process in which you are fighting for the the right to just use the licensing for a fee from this company. Thinking in a meta sense, how can creating partnerships with with other brands like uh, Paramount or SpongeBob, how does that help further both parties' goals sustainability wise? Like for you, I get the why we'd want to have SpongeBob, right? For Paramount, this was about their sustainability efforts. Is this greenwashing? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think a, an ultimately the, a great question. And yeah, so I think from, from our perspective, the value for us, um, it's kind of multifold. Like obviously SpongeBob has a, um, a huge loyal following. So it becomes sort of an entry point for our brand. There's all of these SpongeBob lovers that hopefully will see it, get excited and then say, oh, what's this little company called Waterlust? Oh, wow, this is cool. I really like that. So, um, And then in telling the story, Stephen's story was something we just were passionate about. Um, so f for us, that's part of it. The other part that's valuable for us and, and for a big, massive corporation like Paramount is we get to then be in the room and have these conversations about what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? How are we going to present it? You know, here's our philosophy on making products. Um, and we have a lot of opportunities to give them feedback. And we found that they're, um, we've been really impressed with, um, this is a whole, an, an initiative they call um, Operation Sea Change, which is, it's a, sort of a first step across a lot of their properties, a lot of their shows where they're trying to kind of just look at, okay, how are we making our, our consumer products associated with these, with these shows? And if we are going to help um, different organizations and try to give back to the marine environment, who should we be supporting? And that's a big challenge for big corporations. Oftentimes, people that work there are experts in in business and marketing and you know all these other things, but they don't really know how to distinguish between is this a legitimate organization to be supporting or is this sort of like a little bit more greenwashy. So that's something we really appreciate to be able to be in the room in those conversations, and then and they've been really. Um, very supportive in asking our opinions about, hey, is this is this legit? Is this not? What do we need to know about it? And um, we can get into all the weeds about whether it's you know a cleaning up the ocean initiative, or if it's a advocating for a species, or if it's an education initiative. Um, we can kind of give them some some tips and tricks and on trying to flush out you know what the best partner to work with. And I hope you know time will tell. My hope is that 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 experience for them is something that they value and they're going to put into practice and they're going to build on. Um, but you you also never know. There, there's always a risk a corporation could be like, you know, just doing something for show. But um, by having worked with Paramount the last like, couple of years, I, I think they're really, they're at least the people we're working with are approaching it in a very authentic way. Um, and that's, I think that's for, we get really excited that a tiny little business can help move the needle for some a really big partner like that. I hope it's all true, right? Yeah. The thing that keeps me up at night yep. is 
I am interested in sustainability. I do not want to leave a nightmare for my grandchildren to inherit. But when I am successful at my job, there is more stuff sold more often. We are manufacturing more, shipping more. My, The outcome of my success is larger carbon footprint and more stuff, you know, stopping at people's houses on its eventual way to the landfill. Aren't we the biggest polluters here? Like, aren't we complicit in the same environmental crisis we're, we're terrified of? A hundred percent. I think, I think we, we absolutely are. And that it's what I get. I find that when we have the conversations, especially like around the, the idea of business and the environmental crisis, there's often like this sort of narrative that, okay, business is the worst, business is the bad guy. And I think business absolutely, in a, in a lot of sense, it, it is, but it shouldn't be viewed as a space that you should shy away from, right? Like the, the areas where we, where we have to make the biggest improvements are the areas that people need to be engaged in. Um, otherwise, you know, you could say, okay, here's this industry that's like, that is causing all these problems. Um, because I'm pro-environment, I'm just not going to step foot in that space. So then what happens? Then the, the person that cares, that is motivated to make change, isn't involved. Let's dive into the actions you're taking. Can you share with me some of the details on your sustainability efforts? How are we tackling these issues? It's pretty overwhelming, um, but it's, I think... I'm a big fan of incremental improvement. So you just try to take a, a big picture view of your operations, what you're doing. And then we tr where our sort of baseline is to start and go, what is the most environmentally responsible way of doing this currently? So that that requires a little bit of sort of research. And then that's your starting point. And then just kind of commit to a continuous process of trying to make that better, make it better, make it better, and always push everyone along your supply chain to be better and be better and be better. Um, so what that looks like specifically, um, one of the big things, you know, you could you could look like a, at a product um, and you can go all the way from raw material extraction. What's raw material? Where is it coming from? Um, is it traceable? Um, do you have a lot of trust and transparency in knowing where this stuff comes from? And one of my, it's sort of a depressing example, but it illustrates sort of the need for transparency and traceability. We had a, a, a business that we were looking at, and I won't say what country it's from, but you could probably guess what it's from. And they were trying to sell us um, recycled polyester fibers. And so these would be fibers that are made from recycled plastic bottles. And we were looking at it and um, asking a lot of questions. And the, we finally kind of got to a point where we realized that the company was basically taking virgin um, virgin polyester, turning it into a bottle, and then immediately recycling, like chopping the bottle up into flake and then immediately turn extruding it into a fiber. So that technically... Uh, yeah. Technically, it was a recycled fiber, but... This is like the, the absolute worst case scenario. Like maybe yep. for step two, they could power the whole plant by burning the plastic. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of BS with that kind of stuff. And so you have to ask, you have to answer or ask a lot of like questions and you have to really get into the, into the weeds. 
And that's where like transparency and trust is arguably the most important part. Um, so, you know, with our, we work with a company in North Carolina and, and one reason we really like them is they, they take traceability really seriously. So they do this cool thing when they extrude their fibers, they mark them at like a microscopic level. And one reason why that's important is the fiber rolls go to mills and the, and then there's sort of has to be trust there that the mill is actually doing what you're telling them to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's practical. For like a tiny company, it's not practical to have like one of your employees just sitting in there watching 365 days a year. Um, I'm not even sure they would allow us to do that, but um, you know, you can do spot checks and stuff. But you know, you have, there has to be a level of trust. Um, but sometimes the mills might play some funny business, and if they're in a pinch, they might switch some switch some fibers and use someone else's fibers. Um, and it's very, it's almost, it pretty much is impossible to tell if you have like virgin polyester versus recycled polyester. They look the same. But with our fiber um, supplier, we can spot check the mill and take the fabric and send it back to them and they put it under a microscope and they can look for those microscopic markings to see if there's been any deception. And then if there is, then there's their, your proof and trust has been eroded and you you know end that relationship with that mill. But it's that kind of, those types of checks and balances and working with people along the supply chain that, prioritize and take that stuff seriously is is really really important otherwise you could you know you can find a supplier that will say that they're giving you the super green best of the best blah 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 blah. but you know if you don't know exactly where that stuff is coming from you could be getting something that is far worse environmentally than you think um, so that's just one example um, and then there's there's just there's so many little things like how we package our products um how you know, um, pre-consumer waste, like when the, the products come from the factory to our headquarters, how they're packaged, how much waste is created before the customer even gets it, all the waste the customer never even sees. Um, it's so easy to just like not, you know, prioritize that because it's not part of your marketing. It's not visible. Um, so we really try to be very transparent and tell that story about all of the little nitty gritty things that contribute to the waste of creating this cloth, these clothing, so that you know the, the customers understand it and they understand the steps that we're taking to to kind of continuous reduce and reduce and reduce, with the understanding that you know you can't, you're never going to be able to get it to zero, but um, we can we can do everything we can to make it as small as possible. Does low average order value have you on life support? We're losing. Download one click upsell and you can add 10 to 15% more sales to your Shopify practically overnight. Zipify one click upsell, aka Zipify OCU, was created by the owner of a $170 million e commerce brand. OCU boosts your average order value by offering your customers highly targeted pre purchase and post purchase upsells. And with the mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $400 million in sales. It only takes a few clicks to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. Go to Zipify.com Kurt and start your 30-day free trial. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Clear.
that's, I think, where you build the trust with customers. Like another, co- there are plenty of companies where you can find in particular categories. I'm thinking of a, a particular shoe and where they say, oh, we've, it, it, the first, you know, entirely carbon neutral, perfect shoe that actually is, you know, every time you buy the shoe, it's, the, the earth gets a little better, like that kind of nonsense that I, I don't trust. I appreciate that we're engaging in sustainability and cause marketing, but also I, those claims are absurd if you if scratch the surface just a little bit on trying to engage in like true sustainability. How do you build trust with customers? It's through this this full transparency. Yeah, I, and, I, and you think you're hitting upon like that's it's such a great point. Like there's a dis, there's a difference between what's interesting is we straddle like our our teams mostly. Um, marine science scientists, right, by training that just sort of stumbled into business. Um, so we look at it at the world through a scientific lens. And then you can also look at the world through the business lens. Um, the scientific lens about when you look at carbon neutrality, for example, is that like it doesn't it doesn't exist. Like if you create something, if you're if you have if you're a human and you wake up and you eat and you have children and you have a family and you drive to work like you're 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 not going to be net neutral. It's just not good. It doesn't, the math doesn't work. And the same thing happens with the business, but from a business perspective with carbon offsets and all of these games that are played to say like, look, this is a carbon neutral product. It It's very confusing to people and they, they, they don't, you know, it's kind of, you know, I, I would say deceitful. And so what we try to approach our storytelling and our conversations with our customers to be like, okay, let's look at this from a science perspective. Okay. Like you're going to, make this product, it's going to result in this many, you know, joules of energy required or watts and whatnot. And um, how do how we bring that number lower to say like, oh, we're going to go plant some trees or, or you know, do this project. And now technically we're a net zero company is not technically accurate. It, it is, it's maybe a good step, but it's not to, you know, we're all still producing emissions in some way, shape or form. But um, trust, how do we build trust? I think my view is that the the most effective way to build trust is to have conversations with your customers when things don't go well. I think when you're when you make mistakes or if people disagree with you or you know if you're having arguments and comment sections on on like a paid ad or something. Um, oh, it's- got comments on paid ads! Oh my gosh, drive me! And I ever, always regret reading them. It's always like you tried to sell me something, but I'm too smart for you. Gotcha. Like, all right, yeah, thanks for that. All you did was boost this ad's visibility. So I, yeah, I, I'm very positive about about um, comment sections, even if they get like hostile. And the psychology behind that is, I think, when you let's say let's take for example, um, like the George Floyd stuff, when the George Floyd stuff, and we had like the the, the shutdown, and everyone went quiet. And had like the black screens on their on their social media stuff. We were like, we had no idea what to do because you know we were just like disconnected. I'm a privileged white guy. I'm not the kind of person. I don't have the experience, the knowledge, or expertise to make to make like a valued opinion on sort of like where we need to go from here. And that's that's just authentically how I felt. And so on one side, you could say we can just. We can just like go with what everyone else is doing, play it safe and put out like issue some statement and just like whatever. Or you can just like turn to your community and go like, just be honest with them. 
like we don't like this is an issue we care about but we don't know what to do and we're like you know that kind of thing and i think when you show vulnerability to your community you you are honest and real with them and 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 try to work with them through your own challenges and struggles that's when your community can really see whether you're full of bs or you're actually like you really you know believe what you're saying and what you're pushing for and so there we've had that's just one example but we've had all of these examples especially like paid ads or some social posts that will that will stir up controversy and people will come in and you know be very angry and stuff and we'll have we will engage with those conversations respectfully and we'll call people out when we think that they're wrong but we'll, you know we do it in a, in a respectful way um and what what ends up happening is the comment section ends up being way more um a better example of what the brand really stands for than they add itself. And that's why we always do it. I always engage with them. Even if we'll have some like, you know, cuckoo will come in and say, you know, the earth is flat and the environmental crisis is, is fake and we'll, we'll engage. And it's, and people will tell me like, Patrick, you're like, why are you, you're not going to convince this person um, to care about, you know, whale shark conservation or coral reef conservation and it's like yeah i'm not that's not my point i'm not trying to go on and like convince this person uh, to look at the world through our point of view what I, the reason i do it is so that everybody else that's watching gets to see like what our true stripes are what is the what is the ethos of our brand how do we treat people how do we how do we talk with people when we disagree with them and that i think is what earns you trust and, and authenticity um and it's a really, I mean, it's a, can be a bit of a pain to do, but it's also not that hard. You know, you just, just commit to doing it. And I, I don't see enough of that happening with brands online. I, I see a lot of companies delete comments and try to curate this, per, this perfect presence. Um, when in reality, the environmental crisis and addressing it is a very complex issue that does not have direct answers. And we need to be able to have respectful, complex conversations with people that we may not see eye to eye with. That's a really important part of the process. Yeah, there's nothing more suspicious than a Facebook ad that's got 10 comments and they're all glowing. And it's like, yep. wait a second, I don't buy that for us. I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah, exactly. So you, it sounds that conversation, that engagement is important. The, the candor, the honesty, the vulnerability, those are the things that get you to authenticity. And authenticity is this buzzword that like, you know, you have to be authentic. Like that's what people want for brands, authenticity. Uh -huh. You know, but what does that mean? You know, I'm not lying. Like, it's, it's more complicated than that. But in there I hear, all right, part of this is you've got, you have values and you are willing to defend them in a, a honest and constructive way. Absolutely. That sounds like there's an education mission here, right? And you said at the, the top of the show, what's well, advocate apparel, right? Like the, the advocacy comes first, then the apparel. And so how else are we specifically incorporating education into this customer experience? I mean, you're trying to change people's behavior. Policing people make you crazy. How are you doing it? Um, so we try to, what's really fun with e-commerce is that you've got so many amazing tools um, coming out every day that are very effective at helping you sell a bright shiny thing to someone um, but what we found is those tools are also incredibly powerful at teaching people stuff and and getting information to them and supporting them in their own sustainability journey so we the way we kind of structure it is the whole customer experience from 
the moment you see your first, you know, paid ad at the top of the funnel, um, all the way down to, you know, organic social posts or, or, you know, we do giveaways and the way we design our website in every kind of touch point, we're trying to insert um, teachable moments. We're trying to insert sort of like the way our attitude of looking at things, the, the way we use language, the way that, you know, the way that we carry ourselves. Um, so we, we try any, everything like pop up, you know, the way we have our newsletter pop up on our website, you know, has a right now an animation of a parrotfish and shows how parrotfish poop out sand and they're really important to creating um, sandy ecosystems. Um, you know, we could just say sign up and get early access to products, but it was like, why not try to put education in there so that at the very least we're getting that educational impression. And then at the same time, we're also sh we're showing the customer there. It's sort of like, oh, wow, they're they're not trying to just sell me something, they're trying to teach me something, which which, you know, gives an impression of what this brand actually stands for. So, um, yeah, we do all of our paid ads. We have educational elements into the ads um, we work on. We have a lot of evergreen YouTube content that's all educationally based. Um, all of our, our websites, if you go on our website, you'll see the product pages, collection pages. There's just, there's education everywhere, arguably more educational elements than, than stuff about the products, which in a lot of, you know, circles would be like, oh no, you just, you know, keep it like super simple. They're just here to buy. But at the end of the day, we're here to teach and engage and the buying is sort of secondary. Um, and we find our community doesn't really punish us for that, for that. They, they appreciate that their shopping experience is sort of enriched with, information and cool stories and fascination with the ocean and, and resources. Um, and then it, it goes even farther when you order the product, our products, we have a, we call them our, our post-purchase um, sort of call to action postcards. Um, and the way we look at that is, you know, as e-commerce people, we're always, you're always fighting for people's attention. You know, we're like battling on the internet to get one sliver of your, of your, your minute of your day. But when someone, one of the most like kind of sacred times is when you open that, that product that you ordered and you're so excited to see what it looks like. It's, that's one of the few times in like our lives now where you have undivided attention. Like you're fully focused on like looking at this product and either it's going to be better than you thought or worse than you thought or whatever. We put a, a postcard right on top. So the first thing that you see is this educa educational um, stuff we work with our our partners, our science partners to put five tips, like what are the five things you could do to work on this issue? Um, and so that's that in-person element. And then we follow up with it. Uh, we're pretty aggressive with Clavio. Um, we have what we call post-purchase education flows, which are, we work with marine science, we bring in graduate student interns, and we create five to seven part education series, which are basically in science, you would call it like a literature review. And it it, it let's say we're looking at parrotfish, it gives you all the past history of parrotfish, how we got to the state we are today with their populations, what what were the, the the history that got us to where we are today, and then who's working on these issues now, what is the current status of these species, then what are ongoing problems, future considerations, and how can you get involved? And so these series are very, very in-depth. Um, they take a long time to write, but they provide our customers this really fun journey and they get one email a week for about five to seven weeks after their product arrives. And w the whole hope of this is to get everyone to the same baseline. So they understand sort of where we're at on this issue. And by educating them, um, we find that they, then when they wear the garment, they go out in the world and they're like super empowered. 
to help and because they're informed. And our open rates and the read-through rates uh, on these are incredibly high and people love it. They want to learn about the issues. That's why they're buying the product to, to begin with. That gave me goosebumps. We, you truly did. You started with like, we call it advocate apparel. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. And then <laughs> you come full, cir- full circle here where that really is what you did. When I go on this site, even the main menu speaks to this. The first thing in the main menu is about an about mega menu. And then shop by cause is the second thing. So we're going to lead with the mission first. And then, hey, you could shop, but you're still, you are now self-selecting, okay, which of these causes, which mission is for you. And then once they've received the product, they've raised their hand, they've opted in, they said, this is what I'm interested in. Now you're going to educate them on that topic. And you're going to do it for two months. And certainly, you know, I'm sure the newsletters don't stop after that. But, you know, then when they are out and someone comments on it, they're prepared to speak on it. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, and that's where we're at today is our, the going forward, sort of like the next, what we look at the next 10 years is like, okay, we, where do we go from here? How do we, how do we get that person to go from being engaged for six months to let's keep them engaged for three years. And um, one part of our business is we donate 10% of our, of profits to all the different organizations that are working on the front lines, like kind of the subject matter experts. And we're working on how do we better connect the customer with that group so they can see like, hey, here's where my money is going. Here's the ongoing research. Um, This scientist is out in the field today and they just found two baby abalone in like a tide pool where there haven't been, you know, baby abalone for a few months, like stuff like that. We want to keep people, you know, feeling and being part of this process for many, many years ongoing, because it's not just like a, you know, buy it, learn it, raise some awareness and you're done. Like you need people to be continuously engaged with this for their whole life in order for us to, to kind of move the needle on these big issues. I'm so tired of losing revenue. Ah. Are you tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences? Of course you are. Did you know that anonymous shoppers who visit your store on their phones can't? receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? (gasps) Pop quiz. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and Blendjet have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. With retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. We am 10xing our list, okay? Like 10x. Like I'm not even joking. Onboarding is quick and easy and implementation takes just hours, not months. Plus, retention.com's flexible pricing is based purely on incremental performance. So you only pay for what you get. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. I want... I want to hear how you approach packaging. Packaging is its such a strange thing. If I've got really fancy packaging that feels premium, that's a better experience for the customer. It's a better look for the brand. Also, uh, I've just shipped you a really fancy thing that you are going to throw in the garbage minutes after you receive it. Uh-huh. That's the problem with, with the nice packaging. If I do uh, what Amazon calls frustration-free packaging, which is really like, this is the much less wasteful packaging we offer. Um, I love the frustration-free packaging. 
it's much, it's very simplified. You know, there's it's like, hey, we put your stuff in a bag. <laughs> like that's all you needed. Go. Um, what what's the balancing act? How do you approach it? It's a it's a, it is a balancing act because you have like perceived value and you want to have something when it shows up um, to feel um, exciting and high quality. So there's you could definitely go down a whole rabbit hole where you you know invest a lot of energy into making something very feeling very elevated. I think would be the term. Um, elevated. That's yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think our philosophy is packaging has pretty much a purely functional um, you know job to fill. It needs to, the product needs to get to you. It needs to be undamaged, and it needs to, um, you know, produce the least amount of waste possible. Now, where things get tricky is a lot of times with the environmental issues, we have different issues. So you could say the the most fundamental ones are plastic pollution and emissions. And if you were trying to um, optimize for one, it doesn't necessarily optimize the other. And that's definitely a big issue with when you're trying to decide between using like a paper cardboard um, packaging solution versus a polymer plastic one. In general, obviously, the plastic one is going to result in plastic pollution. But generally, it uh, if it has smaller emissions because it's lighter weight and you're, these things are going on planes, trains and automobiles all around the world. Um, what so- if we packed everything in styrofoam containers? I mean, that would brought you would have benefits for for some weight, but I still don't think for at least for our product, um, we we use these tiny tiny poly mailers um, from a company called Eco Enclose, which we really love. Eco Enclose is is a pretty awesome company, and they they take their sustainability pretty darn seriously, and they offer a lot of. How re- do you spell it? Eco Enclose is E C O dash I think E N C L O S E Eco Enclose, but definitely check them out and they they do deep dives into like let's let's compare the emissions of shipping this widget in a cardboard mailer versus a poly mailer and they they make both and they they're just trying to inform their their partners to make educated decisions ba- based on what their priorities are um for us we use uh recycled poly mailers and there's the main reason for that is um it's emissions driven um, it's less emissions and then we have a certain percentage of, of clothing that will come back to us for exchange or return oftentimes for exchanges people want to change sizes and um, and it's not a high percentage but it's a fairly high volume and with the with the uh, poly mailers we use they're reusable so the customer can try the clothing on and they can go okay I'm gonna keep this keep this but maybe I'm gonna send this back or I'm gonna change the size. Uh, the poly mailers have a second adhesion strip, so you can just put it right back into the same mailer and send it back to us. And now we've we've cut down on the waste of you sending it back. And so when you take all of that into account, um, and the fact that we feel like personally we feel like the emissions environmental issue is the more temporally sensitive one than the plastic pollution. That's not to say plastic pollution is not incredibly important, but if you know someone had a gun to our head and said you could only optimize your business to reduce emissions or reduce plastic pollution, which one would it be? I'd probably say emissions first for now, and and then we're going to obviously continue to work on plastic. Um, but that's you know the the emissions are the ones that are causing coral bleaching and species extinction and all these other things. Where the plastic problem is a huge problem, but it's not the one that's like knocking on the door, yelling at us to like get out of the house kind of thing. 
I think with sustainability, that's just an easy way for people to talk themselves out of it. Like you're saying, look, plastic pollution is not great, but that's we're we're choosing to do the thing that we know will reduce emissions in this process. And so there is not a perfect solution, but that still doesn't mean you shouldn't try. So Waterlust has been on Shopify for how long? I think I was asking my wife that this morning. I'm like, I think Kurt's going to probably ask me about how well we've been on Shopify. Um, I, she and she, she's like our web guru, designs all of our website stuff. Um, I think we switched over. We were on Squarespace before, um, which was fine until we started selling stuff, Ew. and then it and then it kind of became a bit of a disaster. And then we shipped. We um, transitioned over. I think in 2018, 2019, and we've been on it ever since. Have you ever have you come across the Shopify Planet app? I don't think so. I'm sure my wife has, but I. All right, this thing. June 2022 is when they released this. It'll calculate estimated. You can install it. The app. I think it's free to install it, and then it'll calculate your estimated shipping emissions for each of your orders. You could see it as a stat, um, and it's you know because it knows like two from zip code and the weight, and so it figures that out. And then if you want. Optionally, uh, you could pay to try and make it carbon neutral, where it's like we're going to invest in you know other carbon offset activities, which you know, like that's that's its own it's debatable view. thing. I love I love the, the 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 tool the idea of quantifying. Then, just like you alluded to, the action that is taken after that is where things can go all over the place. But um, I love the idea. You know, you can't what they say you can't manage something unless you quantify it and as a physicist and engineer i'm all about you know get the data get as much data as you can um but yeah we'll definitely have to take a look at that um and it's a good timing we're, we're currently we're going through a b corp certification sort of exercise with the university of florida right now and we have gra their graduate students are kind of going through and looking at our business and looking at b corp certification and we're having a lot of conversations about certifications in general and the standards of those certifications and, you know, whether they're using offsetting and how they're using offsetting and is that the right approach and, um, you know, looking at fair trade and carbon neutral and all these different ones. And um, there's just so much, it can be so overwhelming um, being able to cut through all the noise and provide a clear sort of story and understanding to the customer is is ultimately what we're after. And we're really excited to be working with those, uh, the UF students. They've been great. And what's your what's your take on B Corp certification? It's I'm early on. Um, you know, I, we've looked at it multiple times. I think at the end of the day, certification is any form of certification is all about establishing trust with a customer. And so, uh, we've actually not had very many requests from our community to be asking like, "Hey, why aren't you B Corp certified?" Um, and I think a lot of that is because we are we're already telling these stories. We're, we're telling them, you know, we're very fully transparent where stuff's made, how it's made, where it's good, where it's bad, how we can be better. And so I think if you're, if your business is already like very transparent about what, about their operations, um, I question the value, at least from a, from a customer's perception perspective, um, that B Corp provides or any certification. That's sort of my inner skeptic side of it. On the, on the same side, though, I think it's really important that, and what we're hoping for out of the B Corp process, is that the B Corp um, certification process is going to challenge us to maybe ask questions that we have not yet asked ourselves. And so, you know, there's 
you only know what you know. Maybe there's unknowns, unknown questions about, you know, business and processes and, um, you know, having different governing practices that could make our business stronger. Um, we're going through the, through the process, hoping that, that we're going to, there's going to be some, um, light shined on areas that we are not already paying attention to. Uh, but the jury is still out. I mean, we still have, I think another five, six weeks of the program. Um, so I'll have to follow up with you to, to see what our kind of end, um, perspective is in all of it, but we're hopeful and, and there's a lot of really wonderful companies that participate in it. And so we're trying to be really open-minded and, and hope that it's a, it's a informative process for us. Now, at this point in the show, I would normally hit you up for a discount for our listeners, but you don't offer discounts, do you? We do not, actually. No, we don't. Why is that? Um, so, like, disclaimer, I'm very, I'm a very passionate person when it comes to discounts. and um, Let's hear it. So, in general, I kind of look at discounts and, and pricing your business around discounts. It's sort of like it's a psychological game and you're kind of treating your customer kind of like an idiot. And I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, be mean to brands that do this, but the way I look at it is, you know, if you know, you're going to discount, then you artificially increase sort of your starting asking price, knowing that you're going to offer 10, 15%, 20%, and um, all these, you know, bonuses down the line. So you're off the bat, you're saying this is the price, even though it's like an inflated price, and then you're going to discount it. And, what discount does is create sort of like a psychological kind of ploy to get you to buy something right now. Like, hey, if you do this right now, do it right now, do it right now. And this is sort of our perspective is it kind of goes against our environmental ethos. We don't want to be a business that's out there just like pressuring people to buy things with incentives um, because then people are going to buy things that they really don't need. And then this is going to just contribute to this overly consumer you know, culture that is contributing to our environmental woes. So our philosophy is we keep we try to keep our prices as low as we can 365 days a year. And we try to, um, you know, we don't offer any incentives for any first-time buyers repeat that's always the same price. And, our, you know, that way when you come, you're not going to be pressured to buy something. You, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm going to wait and make sure I really need this, and that's good. You should be doing that um, as opposed to like, I don't really need it, but I get 50% off right now. I'm going to pull the trigger so I get it. Um Short term, I can understand why businesses do that. It, it can help drive, you know, revenue and and help cash flow in the short term. But in the long term, you're essentially just training your home community to only shop on discounts, which is it's just counterintuitive and it just you get trapped in this whole game. Um, and on the flip side, we found it's been I was hopeful of this, but I've been surprised how much positive feedback we've gotten. You know, we have we have um, customers that reach out and go, hey just discover your brand. I love your brand. Like, can I get a discount code? Or like, hey, when's your next sale? And we just say, hey, we never have a sale. So don't worry about it. And they they come back and they're like, wow. They, like, I feel like m almost like my anxiety just went down. And I really appreciate that because now I like don't need to be worried about missing out on some sale that you're having. And I can just like go live my life. And then I can, when I need a garment for a certain use in my life, I can come back and get it and know that I'm not like missing out on some like, you know, awesome sale. Um, so that's like the, the global perspective. It works really well for us. And then I would, I would add to that. There are some times in your business when you are going to need to discount. We've only done it once or twice where maybe we're having like a major improvement to a product. So like we shit went from our leggings, not having pockets to having pockets like five, six years ago. Oh, and pockets. Pockets. Necessity. Necessity, right? And so when we were doing that, we had a bunch of old inventory left over and we had all these new pocketed leggings coming in. 
And so we said, hey, and we told our community ahead of time, like, hey, we have excess inventory. The the pocket leggings are coming in like two months. And just so you don't, you know, we don't want you to buy something and then like then immediately be like, oh, I have I wish I had gotten waited. We, we want to tell you ahead of time. And we said, we're, there's going to be a week. We're going to put all of the old leggings on sale and they're going to be on like 40 percent off. And it's like no returns. And we're just unloading the inventory. And because we never have sales, we sold through all the inventory in like three hours. And that's sort of the point of what like for a brand to have and run sales, that's the purpose of it so that you can get inventory out of the way to make make um, space for new things. Um, and it worked incredibly well and it just supported that, you know, if we if it had been like a, a challenge to get rid of that old inventory, that would have been a whole headache. But be because we're not constantly hitting this, playing this game with dis you know discounts, when you do offer it, it actually has teeth and it actually does something. So um, at the same time, we understand that there are some people, you know, this, our products are not cheap. Um, so we, we also want to make them accessible. And so that's where we have, where we do giveaways every Saturday. We try to have um, opportunities for people to win or get stuff if they couldn't otherwise afford it. Um, but in general, we don't do discounts. I'll get off my soapbox, but um, I just don't, I, they make me cringe. All right. So if I want to learn more and check out some full retail price products, where can I go? Uh, waterlust.com is sort of your, your home base for, for all things. Um, we're on whatever social media outlet of your choice. Um, you know, Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, all that fun stuff. But yeah, waterlust.com is the best. And, um, if you have any uh, questions or you just want to touch base, um, you know, we're a small company. Oftentimes if you're a customer, you'll be getting customer service from me or my wife or whoever. But uh, if you have a question and you want to just chat with me. My email's patrick at waterless.com. And we're always excited to connect with people and just have conversations about the environment with them. Patrick, this has been thought provoking, uh, inspiring. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better than before I started this interview. <laughs> and so I appreciate it. I got to go cruise waterless.com. Uh, Dr. Patrick Rin, founder of Waterlust. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kurt. Really appreciate all your work in, in supporting small businesses like ours. It's, uh, it's really helpful for us. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. You want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases. How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.